For it's one, two, three strikes, you're out at the old ball game. Take me out to the ball game. Take me out with the crowd. Buy me some peanuts and cracker jacks. I don't care if I ever get back. Let me You're out at the old ball game. Welcome to Let's Get Two, the baseball podcast from the fans' perspective. Now here's your host, James Christopher. Drinking out of my Astros uniform history mug. Welcome to Let's Get To. I am your host, James Christopher, and we have a great show for you today. The World Series is set, and yeah, I'm still in Astros gear. And on first blush, people are probably expecting a certain degree of meltdown, of freak out that I'm, I'm in Astros gear as some like, uh, maybe I haven't changed since, since game seven ended. Oh, so many years ago is what it feels like. Quite the contrary. I am wearing Astros gear on purpose today, uh, freshly cleaned and washed, even though this was one of the shirts I wore during game seven, because I think that you have to show integrity. And in one of the ways you show integrity is not giving up on your team. And, it's dumb. I admit that it's maybe a little silly. Maybe it's a little unimportant, um, but it is what it is. And it, you know, it goes back to the cheating scandal that doesn't seem to want to go away. And and maybe it shouldn't. I don't know. But you know, we're recording this before Jeff Luno does his talk on the uh, on on local KPRC. Which is weird that he's not on ESPN. I wonder if that's what has any indication of what the content will be. But, um, you know, you don't give up on your family. You don't give up on your friends. I grew up with this team. It's the name on the shirt, not the name on the back. Eventually it will get better. And I think that you earn the good times by persevering during the bad times. And this wasn't even that bad. Game seven of a, of a ALCS, everyone picked them to lose. So very proud of our team. What I'm not proud of, though, and that's actually going to be the subject of my opening, is our country. And I'm not proud of the fact that I know who the Nebraska Senator Ben Sassy, 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 I don't care. I don't like that I know who he is because you're Nebraska. Shh, Nebraska. Stop. You got more corn than people. Um, I don't like that I know who he is, but it really goes to what I think the mockery of where we are as the American government today. Now, I think a lot of people might think that I'm going to get up here and mock his almost butt cut that he has on his hair. He almost has a butt cut, and I'm not going to. That would be low-hanging fruit. That is the making jokes about Altuve's height of political commentary. What I don't like, though, is the fact that the guy took the Senate Judiciary Committee as his opportunity to throw shots at the Houston Astros. 
and tried to rile up John Cornyn and Ted Cruz like they were guys at a bar trying to start some stuff. Because you weren't at a bar. You were at the Senate Judiciary Committee hearing to pick the next Supreme Court justice two weeks before an election. And all you did by doing that is tell us Americans what we already know, that the game is rigged, there is no due process, and reality doesn't matter anymore. We knew that the minute the Republicans started to have the hearing after not having one in 16. And I know that there are some listeners to the show who are Republicans and conservative and think that that's how I look. Um, I, I may be an old school conservative, small C. I want consistency and you wouldn't approve a Supreme Court justice. You didn't even go through the motions when you have the majority because you wanted to insult Barack Obama. You had the majority. He could have just gone through the motions and then you would have, well, we went through the motions and didn't nominate him. No, you wanted to prove a point by saying you wouldn't do it. And now you are. And, and you expect us to live with the hypocrisy. In many ways, the Astros cheating scandal is a microcosm of everything. People calling the Astros cheaters that root for the Patriots and Red Sox. Think about that. That's where we are. And so watching him make a mockery of the judicial system really kind of upset me as someone who loves this country so much, loves the opportunity that this country has given me. Um, thinking about the brothers and sisters of mine who have not come home in defense of this country for that, for that bit of histrionics, that theatrical display. We're not even going to pretend to take this seriously. And instead, you're going to mock a baseball team. And I don't know if it was just your opening act before you went on your Trump rant. I, I don't care. I just wish that we would take our democracy as seriously as we take baseball. And we don't do that. And anybody should have been upset at that display. Even if they, they you agreed with what they said about the Astros cheating, um, you, you should all be scared and, and concerned that that is what, what is supposed to be one of the more powerful branches of government, particularly the Senate. That is how that be, they behaved. It should scare you. It should worry you. It should remind you that they do not care about us. And the, one of the things I was reminded about, is that, and I don't know where it is now. I don't have those numbers, but it always seems like even if a president's approval rating gets low, Congress is always lower. And that's why. And so, yeah, the good senator from Nebraska, you do need a hair, new haircut. Your hair looks like a butt. It is not 1973. And I don't think you're a porn star, although you just never know corn. There's a lot of corn and we know. But no, it was a, it was just a disgusting display and, um, was really probably the most disheartening thing of the last week with, um, everything that happened in this country. Beyond the fact that you are ramming a Supreme Court justice down your throat or sorry, down our throats, which is your right because you should approve because we elected Donald Trump. We did, whether I did or not, doesn't matter. We did. Our system of government did. He should get to do his job for the, for the term that he was elected for, but so should Barack Obama. 
And y'all didn't let that happen. But let's also not forget that all of this is happening in the backdrop of a pandemic where you're not passing a stimulus package. People are losing benefits. They're losing work. They don't know where to turn. We're not being told the real deal about the virus. And you take this opportunity to just not do your job as far as taking care of the actual American people and instead trying to ram a Supreme Court justice down our throats, even though the American people are likely going to say that that isn't the choice they would have wanted. But you chose that platform to make a joke about baseball. And you don't even sound like someone who understands the sport in the first place. We have a great show for you today. We are going to be talking to the Greenville Reds, who are becoming the Greenville. And they're very excited about it. Andy's here. Scott's here to talk about We have a World Series set. All of that positive news just about outweighs the fact that now I know who the senator from Nebraska is. And now, the Big League Chew. And I on the majors. Brought to you by Zoomer Sport. All right, so we're back here on the Big League Chew. We have a World Series. Um, and, and then for the first time in a long time, Scott, the, first of all, let's go, Woo Pig Suey. Woo uh, Pig Suey. Yes, they didn't rob us of a win this week. Yes. Yes. The conspiracy runs Lane deep Kiffin. in you, my friend. A lot of people don't realize that Lane Kiffin's father, Monty Kiffin, years ago in the late 70s, was the defensive coordinator for the University of Arkansas. So Monty Kiffin, his his dad, was was the defensive coordinator for, for Arkansas. And this past weekend, Barry Odom, the current defensive coordinator of Arkansas, was also Lane Kiffin's daddy. How you like them apples, baby? How long have you been yeah, working man. on that joke? Since since Saturday? I I. I saw it in a meme about an hour ago. Okay. Okay. Cool. At least, you, oh, at least we're yeah. giving, we're giving crap. Okay. Good. Um, yeah. I don't know who published it, but I sure did like it. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. So <laughs> we do have a world series. It is one of the first times in a long time that it is the two best records from the two AL from the, from the AL and the NL. Um, you know, I, I want to talk a little bit yeah, about who, who would have seen these guys coming, right? Who, who saw these two teams coming? Just saying, just saying. Same. You know, um, I, I have some I have some conspiracy theory on the way the strike zone expanded and shrunk for the Atlanta LA game, but wow. uh, I think I think I think there was an old Manfred to the umpire phone call in in that situation. But but that's you know that's what happened. Uh, the Dodgers are, you know, I think everybody thought they're the best team. I want to talk a little bit about that Astros Rays series just real quick and. I think one of the things that I'm not liking is the narrative coming out of it. That is that Jose Altuve's um, errors. And I think games two and three are ultimately what cost the series. And I think, um, you know, McCullers has to make a pitch. He can't give up a three run bomb. And then that, and then like none of the, none of the errors actually resulted in, 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 um, in out in, in runs. I mean, I know that some of the runs were unearned, because they didn't make yeah. pitches, you know, and Noli shits the bed. Uh, it seems to, it's like blame, blaming Bartman for the Cubs losing. No, there were plenty of opportunities to make plays afterward. Yeah, blaming Bill Buckner um, when when the Mets beat the Red Sox and they still had a complete another game to play uh, the next night. Uh, but yeah, I, so, so with Altuve's errors, it's one thing, I was actually watching a breakdown on this. It's really strange. He does a lot of backwards pitches. Like he'll get the ball and he'll flip it. 
from halfway between first and second. That's just his normal routine. Mm-hmm. But but he does everything great as far as turning shoulders, getting set up when throwing over the top to second. But he's shown a little bit of, of wildness issues. I don't think you can blame one person um, on – on, on, you know, a couple of errors costing the entire series. Whenever you do come back from three games down, you had the opportunity to win game seven. Um, I don't, I, I can't, I can't pin it on Altuve. It's a, it's a team win and it's a team loss, you know, the majority of the time. Um, but I, I just, it boggles my mind why um, you see second baseman to struggle more than any other infield position and being able to throw the baseball where they intend to throw it. It's, it's odd. I mean, I realize it faces a different way from the shortstop and the third baseman who were having to throw to first base. And historically the problems have been throwing it to first base, but you know, he tossed up a couple of balls in the left field. You can get into bad habits. Um, it yeah. happens, man. It happens. Yeah. And he, I think some of his mistakes too, were playing, um, when he was playing in short, right in the shift. And I don't think he has a terribly strong arm and, you know, he one hopped yep. Yuli one time that Yuli honestly gave a pretty half-ass effort to to dig the ball out. And anyway, um, the we do have we do have a World Series. How do you see um, this series going? Rays Dodgers. Uh, tale of two cities. I mean, the Dodgers have the offensive ability to explode on any night, like they did on the Braves when they scored fifteen. I, I do think you you touched on something very interesting about the strike zone. Though I have seen more of an inconsistent strike zone in this shortened season than I've seen in any full season in the past. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if technology is getting better and showing us where the box is mm-hmm. a little bit better. But, but man, it moves all around. And last night, uh, I honestly saw pitches that were that were strikes, clearly strikes, not even touching the bottom of the zone that were called balls. So I yeah, I don't know. Um, but I getting back to this series. They still don't know who the rotations, what the rotation is going to look like. I got to think that it's Glasnow and uh, Kershaw to go game one. Um, Glasnow hasn't been his best in the playoffs. Kershaw certainly wasn't his best either against the Braves. Historically, Kershaw's had problems. So I'll be very interested to see um, if that shapes up and what that looks like. If you got a game two of um, probably Urias and, um, and Snell uh, from the looks of things, that gets – very interesting too. I, I I don't think Snell has been at his best either. So I I see one one split coming out of that. Charlie Morton. There's something about Charlie Morton in, in in the playoffs. The dude's just got ice water running through his veins. Oh I know, man. I know. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll give it to you. Brent Strom. Brent Strom obviously has done some some serious things with Morton. Uh, they have kept Walker Bueller on five days rest throughout the playoffs. Dave Roberts has been very specific with 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 walker but that would have walker bueller and charlie morton my goodness what a matchup um both teams are really good if they have to get to a bullpen game um but i think tampa is more set up for a bullpen game than the dodgers are the dodgers bullpen still scares me especially kenley jansen at the end yeah i think the the dodgers bats are good enough for two wins for them period i think jansen and the bullpen is good enough for one loss for them, period. Um, and at the beginning of the year, when we did this all in March, before they said, hey, we're not playing baseball for a while, um, I had Tampa beating L.A. four games to three in the World Series, and I am sticking with that. But what phenomenal 
LCSs we had too, going seven, um, going seven games. And, and Randy Rosarena, before I forget, Randy Rosarena yeah, was an outfielder guy. in the Cardinals. Or, he was a Cardinals organization player until this year. They gave him, um, they sent him and Jose Martinez to Tampa. Uh, for uh, Michael Libertori, who's like a number 52 prospect overall in Major League Baseball, left-handed pitcher, yada, yada, yada. A Rosa Reina has raked at every level. He hit like 360 at AAA. Um, of course, the Cardinals have so much offensive prowess in the in the outfield. <laughs> That's why we gave away a Rosa Reina. Um, God. Anyway, it's it's really painful to watch him succeed and going, wow, and we had an overall outfield batting average of 209 this year. That's cool. Um, so I, I think a Rosarena is not a surprise to those who have seen him in the minors. Right. It's just a coming of age story. It reminds me I, of I, uh, it reminds me of Jordan Alvarez coming up last year. Another guy yeah. that they traded from actually the actually the Dodgers traded a, him to the, the Astros for a I think for what what reliever was it who ended up blowing a game against the Astros in 17? So they 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 helped the Astros twice uh, with that trade. Yeah, watching him hit was amazing and impressive and scary and ma- angering and all those things. Um, quit pitching to him, <laughs> please. I mean, there's nothing, no shame in a walk. Um, but I did want to, you know, go into this World Series. It's it is interesting because I think. Um, I, I think to your point, I think the starting pitching, if it performs to um, ability, I think it's probably a wash. Um, I do think that Tampa Bay has a very lethal bullpen that can be deployed in any number of ways, which explains why yes. the leader in saves over the regular season led with five because a bunch right. of other dudes also had saves. I do think, though, that the Tampa Bay lineup really disappeared against Houston. And I don't know if it's a factor of Houston's pitching being great. Whereas, like you said, um, you know, Betts and, and Seager can beat you by themselves. Um, I do want to oh, talk yeah. a little bit about Mookie Betts though. Is there a more casually really good at baseball player ever than Mookie Betts? That, Just that Rob, that Robin home run was that the, yeah, all five tools, all five tools. I mean, <laughs> Betts is, can, can we give he's him a six money, tool right? for smoothness? Because like the the home run he robbed, he just kind of drifted back and then just dumped over it. And I mean, it was definitely yeah. would have been a home and, run. And then collapses his glove back to the pitcher. Like, yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome for me saving your ass. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Good. Here's the ball. Oh my gosh. I mean, it was, yeah, it was perfectly timed. It was perfectly jumped. That is, you, you want to play that over and over and over and over and over again to outfielders and say, this is how you approach a ball at the wall. Of course, it did help that that Freeman got under it a little bit, right? It, sure. it, and it was Freddie Freeman. It wasn't you or me hitting it. That ball's not staying up in the air very long. If it's you, it's Freddie Freeman hitting a moonshot. So Betts had plenty of time to get under it, but it was casual. You know, the, uh, the old saying in football is when you score a touchdown, act like you've been there before. So for Mookie Betts, when you rob a guy of a home run, act like you've robbed a guy of a home run before. And he does uh, because he has, and he will again. Yeah. Um, just phenomenal, man. I mean, his, uh, I, I was looking at, at like his, his run saved in the outfield. It, he's got like almost twice as many as the second guy. Uh, yeah. I think it was the, something 2017. like 2017. It's yeah. Sick. I saw where it was like, like just this, maybe, maybe it was, maybe not this year or last year, wherever it was, but it was something like 107. And the next guy was 40. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. He is, uh, he is, he's an outstanding, um, outstanding defense, uh, d- d- 
outfielder uh, defensively. Uh, there are, you know, there's there's good gloves on the the Dodgers are a complete team except that bullpen has problems. They're a really hard team to beat, but but they have they have shown to not be able to win it. So I'm I know a lot of Dodgers fans that want to see them actually win it this year. Yeah, but you know, th- there, there's those of us who just don't let them continue to to be lost in the wilderness a little bit and complain a little bit more. I, I guess they're going to you know claim Tampa cheated and that's why they lost um, if, if the Rays beat them. So or they would have blamed the Braves for doing that. Who, who knows? They do have they do have Charlie Morton. Um, I guess you know before we wrap up then or as we wrap up because this will be our last episode for a little while. We'll be back in about two weeks. Um, you know, none of us, I think, and when I say none of us, the core, you, me and Andy, all of us, I think had our doubts that this season would get finished. Um, is this surprising that if you look at MLB, which had a lot of positives at the beginning, and then I think went something like 50 something straight days with no positives to the NFL, which started with no positives. And now we've got four or five outbreaks going. Does it shock you that it turns out that maybe just maybe MLB actually did it better? Um, I think MLB did it very badly in the beginning, and they had a comparative model uh, to the NHL, who, let's remember, the NHL played their entire playoffs and ended their regular season in a bubble with zero positives after everybody got to the bubble. So the NHL said, this is how you do it. Um, And they, you know, they were in Canada where they actually take the virus seriously. Um, and I think that the major league baseball, uh, used that as a great example. And that's why we went to the bubble in the postseason. I think also bet- between the Marlins and the Cardinals, uh, catching so many positives early on that major league baseball was able to send out a, a very strong message and said, guys, we will shut it down. Yeah. We'll, we'll close it all out if we have to. Um, and I think players and, and organizations uh, took heed to that. I also think that, that it was very clear that, that it was really only for the uh, for the time being, because then Tommy Pham, the day after San Diego gets knocked out, goes out to a strip club and gets himself stabbed. So I mean, yeah, you know, um, way to go, Tommy. Way to at least care about the bubble until you couldn't care about it anymore. And I guess if you're gonna go somewhere, you know, we just got knocked out of the playoffs. I'm I'm gonna go see some naked women. Go, go Astros, a focus on H-Town Hardball. All right, we're jumping on a go, go Astros. And, and Andy, I'm going to begin this with a quote from Gerald Ford. Our long national nightmare is over. Uh, but I don't know that MLB wanted the national nightmare to be over. I'm absolutely <laughs> sure when you got the final four, the matchup they have um, for the World Series isn't is only 50% of the matchup they were hoping for. Um, I don't know if you saw this, but the resale value on World Series tickets went from $400 when Houston was still in it to $100 to get into the World Series. And that's what MLB's tried to create. And I think, you know, they've been successful to some extent. The Astros are the villain. You've got to have a villain. And you've, I think marketing-wise, they prefer it not to be at the Yankees. So I guess we're it. Tag. Um now you've got a, you know, and I, and I am certain that the offices in New York were breathing a huge sigh of relief when the Dodgers came back to take that lead uh, over the Braves because nobody in baseball, outside of baseball fans maybe, wanted to see the Braves and the Rays. I think that would have been an incredible matchup because I think those are two really good teams. Uh, the Dodgers are a good team also, but uh, the Dodgers have a certain amount of um, 
well, Q rating. And I don't know, can we say Q anymore? I don't know that we can say Q. I don't know that we can do that anymore. Yeah. You're, that's a good Come up with a new number. They have a great Z rating. Um, <laughs> and that's going to, you know, save ratings to some extent, but I don't think the rays are as compelling, even though they should be, because you should be marketing uh, their young superstars, including the guy whose name I cannot pronounce. Uh, it has a lot of vowels in it. It's the opposite of my name. That's uh, Spanish for shouldn't pitch to him. That guy. Correct. The yeah. one that we continued to pitch to all game. Yeah. When all series. We hit that softball home run off of Granky. I was like, you know, you can, you can walk a guy. Yeah. It's no, it, it is interesting. It's um, I, I, I have kind of fallen into deep full um, conspiracy theory as I watched uh, the strike zone shrink and expand through that uh, Dodgers Atlanta game last night. I'm not oh, sure. sure. I'm not sure there wasn't a little little pressure from the old league office. Well, I mean, the Braves just don't have the national following that they used to. They haven't been on TBS in 13 years. Um, and they were on for 37 years prior to that. So you've still got a lot that followed them. But this is not the Greg Maddox, Tom Glavin, Chipper Jones, Andrew Jones, Braves. Just stroked out. Yeah. When- right. This, um, this is, this is I, I, honestly, it's a team that's probably a little bit better constructed than that team was at, towards the end. Yeah. Uh, but nobody knows who they are. And that's that, that we've been talking about this. And I don't want to beat that dead horse again today. But literally, this is the problem that Major League Baseball has. Nobody knows who Ronald Acuna Jr. is outside of the NL East. And that's a crime. And that, it, it's a shame. Yeah. Um, but casual baseball fans don't really know who Mike Trout is. That's a shame. Um, it's but everybody knows who the Yankees bat boy is. Everybody yeah. knows who's going to be taking Mookie Betts's bag to the hotel for him. Yeah, it, I did tell Jessica that uh, Dansby Dansby Swanson hit a home run the other night, uh-huh. and she goes, "Oh, is that the hot one?" So I was like, okay, she, "Well, I would say, did she swoon?" <laughs> there was definitely swooning. Um, but let's let's go back to our local nine. You know the Astros. Um, it's it was such a weird season. Um, you know I don't know where you were. A lot of it. A lot of it to me felt joyless. Um, I will say that what, what I thought I would say about the season definitely uh, was improved by rallying. And um, you know I think it's so funny to me that people calling that karma got them. You know, if karma is going to get us in game seven of the ALCS for the rest of the Astros existence, I'll take it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, I think joyless comes down to lack of fans and and Zach Grinke notwithstanding. And by the way, just as an aside, I know we have a limited amount of time, but could Twitter be more stupid than to get irritated with Zach Grinke's social anxiety desire not to have people yelling at him? Oh, it's crazy. Why? I can't imagine he would say those things. I hate Twitter. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. But you know what? I was, I was actually super impressed and, and to see the number of um, Yankee and Dodger fans who were kind of jump, were, were, were quote tweeting, being like, listen, this guy has a social anxiety. Just like it wasn't even just low hanging fruit. Let's pick on the right. Astros. Like there was a lot of people, which maybe seems like a victory for mental health and awareness in this country. Uh, I, I mean, you got to find something positive in it because the initial outlet or backlash was just ridiculous for something that is pretty well known. But then again, who knows Zach Grinke outside of hardcore baseball fans? He doesn't play in a major market, so why would you know anything about him? Um, 
You know, I think the joyless part is the lack of fans. And I don't want to put an importance over the fans, but I think at some point scrimmages are fun. But when you're not playing, there's no emotion. There's no momentum coming from the crowd noise and that energy that you get. And every player to a man, I think even Zach Greinke would say, there is a certain amount of energy that a full ballpark brings that an empty ballpark can't bring. And you saw that throughout most of the regular season. And I think the Astros, while they certainly, you could argue, they benefited from not having to go on the road and face um, every idiot. Dodger fan uh, who decided to travel to different stadiums to boo them um, also didn't have any of the energy to feed on, um, whether positive or negative. And so you rely on your own personal self-motivation for 60 days in a row. Some guys do better with that than than others. And I think for us sitting at home, you know the crowd noise is artificial. You know that it's piped in. You know that you're being manipulated to some extent to feel like it's baseball. Um, And I'm glad they made it through the season. I'm glad we were all wrong about how, yeah. um, because I think most of us figured they might get a month in and before they call it off. And, you know, darn it, the Cardinals and the Marlins try their darndest to make that true. Um, But (laughs) the other 28 teams did a reasonable, reasonable job of keeping people safe and clean and separated and acting like adults, Mike Clevenger notwithstanding. So um, I think that's where the joyless part comes in. Uh, The playoffs were a different story because that motivation is there. The only motivation in the regular season this year, especially with 16 spots, was just don't be so bad that you don't make it. Yeah. I I also think, too, I mean, I think to your point about the crowd motivation, um, you know, I think when the Astros have been there so many times, four years in a row, a certain degree of complacency sets in, a certain degree of, I mean, it's just human. It's just natural factor in some injuries. Um, I, the thing I think people have oversold and we really won't know, I guess, until next year, I just don't know how bad it really would have been. Uh, Oakland would have been hostile. Well, when isn't Oakland hostile? New York would have been hostile. I mean, the Yankees fans throw beer at Astros fans in the urinal. That is the standard. How could it get any worse? We had fuck Altuve's chance in the ALCS last year. So, I just don't know that Baltimore is going to get fired up to come boo the Astros. Like at the end of the day, it's still a dying sport that people don't go to see. Well, I think we saw pretty quickly into the season, um, despite the fact that you have uh, certain Twitter accounts who want to blow everything out of proportion, um, even some major actual media trying to blow things out of proportion. There was no headhunting campaign against the Astros. There was not just a whole heck of a lot of animosity on a player level between the Astros and other teams when you saw them play. And I think the fans, after you, if you had a full regular season of 162 games, I, I would guess at the latest by the all-star break, but probably before that, probably by yeah. Memorial Day, you're really, it, they'd burn, it would burn itself out. I think you're going to have some of that stretch into next year if fans are allowed back in the ballpark and we play a regular season just because you've got some pent-up aggression, especially amongst Dodgers fans for some reason. Still hope they lose in seven days. <laughs> especially uh, when you factor in uh, people might not – I mean, the thing that's, that people might not be able to afford to go to a baseball game if the right. economy is still in the tank. So um, let, let's just dive back into our Astros, though. You know, So it definitely went from – oh, one second. I'm getting a word from our my production assistant. Oh, perfect. We're going to talk about the Astros while we drink coffee out of my Astros mug. I tried to – I almost – yeah, there you go. But I'm not cutting. I'm leaving this in. Oh, okay. This is real life. 
Is that the, is that the lovely Jess? That was Jessica, producer, personal assistant, um, manager, boss, all of those things. I feel so honored that she made an appearance on my segment. I, ex- I, as well, you should. She, you know, she usually likes to take over the segment. So um, here she is she make, making fresh pressed coffee, actually. Um, but no, you know, so much about these, you know, I think when I say joyless, I think also, too, I was a lot more involved in the online aftermath of every single loss than maybe I should have been. Um, what about this team impressed you through this playoff run that maybe you didn't see coming? Um, I think starting pitching, I think, first of all, um, and really the bullpen, with the exception of one game in Oakland, um, our pitching was solid, uh, far more solid than a team that has 10 rookies on it is, should be expected to be. Sure. Um, and I think that bodes well for not only Jeff Lunau and his regime's ability to identify talent, but James Click and his ability to put the pieces on the major league roster that could be successful. Because there are some prospects that weren't. Um, Brian Abreu is probably the biggest one that comes to mind. Uh, there's also the mysterious Mr. Whitley, who may or may not exist. I've never seen him. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but there are some guys that were higher up in the ranks that you would expect to have made the roster but weren't viewed as ready. And I think those calls, by and large, even the regular season, were correct. Um, and they all, to a man, stepped up um, when they had to, with the, really the exception of one game in Oakland, all of our uh, playoff games were really well pitched. Um, I think the other thing that you saw was a team full of veterans who have been there before, realized they had been there before, and battled throughout um, two challenging games in Minnesota for a few reasons. Um, absolutely dominated a team. If you want to talk about lack of motivation, I think facing the A's in hindsight is uh, was pretty good motivation. And I think you saw what our lineup can still is still capable of uh, when properly motivated. Um, they ran into a buzzsaw to some extent with Tampa Bay. Uh, I think Tampa Bay really is one of those we talk about it. I know lots lots of people don't like to go with Team of Destiny, but Tampa Bay had a lot of things fall in their favor. And I don't want to say it's luck because no, it's not I, luck. It's yeah. they they are absolutely constructed to win a playoff series like the one we just played. Um, incredible defense. Uh, the pitching, um, we've talked about kind of ad nauseum, but you have a new guy throwing 98 to 100 every inning. It's hard to get in a rhythm if you're a hitter. Um, and then uh, not only making plays, but being in the position to make those plays. That's, you know, you can call it luck, but I think that's good coaching. That's knowing what your guys can do and really, really paying attention to the opposition. And I think that Kevin Cash and the team in Tampa Bay did a much better job than Dusty Baker and the team in Houston did. And even then, it was still a two-run game in game seven um, after going down 0-3. So a other than winning, I don't think there's much more you could have asked for out of the playoff experience this year. Uh, a lot of Twitter, because they're so smart, I want to put the losses on Altuve's errors. And to me, I think I think it's 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 as low-hanging fruit as blaming Barton Bartman for the Cubs' collapse in the early 2000s. Um, yeah, he had a couple of errors. Sure, they led to unearned runs, but it still gave – like Lance McCullers had an opportunity to get out of that inning and didn't with a three-run home run. Um, I also think it's overlooked the fact that um, he also was at one point the only one hitting on the team. 
I think at one point we had we had nine runs scored and he had seven of those as RBIs. So, um, what, what was your takeaway from Altuve coming out of this this series? Um, I, you know, we talk a lot about the small sample size of the regular season and the playoffs are even a more small sample size. So I don't think Altuve is necessarily as good as he looked in the A's and uh, Rays series combined. Uh, Cause I think he ended up batting something like 400, a little bit over that uh, home runs, lots of RBIs, lots of getting on base, lots of runs scored uh, in the regular season. He did none of that. But if you go back to the beginning of the 2019 season, we were having similar conversations about Altuve's slow start and he had, you know, not re- being recovered from his knee injury and um, doesn't look right, doesn't look comfortable on the plate. Um, and if you look at those stats, even coming back a couple weeks after that knee injury um, or when he went on uh, IR, I think in May, mm-hmm. um, he had similar numbers. He was batting 220, 230. Um, not a lot, of, a lot of power right at the beginning and then it just disappeared, very similar to this. And then he got into a groove the rest of the season. I don't know that he's a guy who's going to bat 330 anymore. I, I just I, I think he is too in love with the outside slider that he can't hit. Um, and I think too many people know that. Um, but I think you can't have. Yeah, I mean that's the story of my life. <laughs> uh, but he is a guy that still has a lot of productive years in him um, and can step up in moments where he needs to step up. I think baseball players are at this level are conditioned to be playing in the playoffs nearly 200 games. And the Astros have played nearly 200 games. Uh, if you look at spring training for a number of years in a row now, you also throw yeah. the World Baseball Classic in there one of those years. And that's a lot of mileage. Um, and Altuve is a guy who looks like he's going to be a slow starter for a while. It could be completely different next year. It's kind of the randomness and the vagrity of numbers um, that we deal with. But I think his demise has been um, prematurely uh, trumpeted a lot. So I guess when you look at the season and, and, you know, like next week we're going to talk – or not next week, week after next, we're going to talk a lot about um, the Dusty Baker effect Mm -hmm. and and what that is and isn't. But just overall, like – how are you going to reflect back on this season? Are you glad that it's over? Are you going to look back at it as actually, I'm really proud of this group. Carlos said it was the the most fun he's had playing, which seems weird. Um, but you know, where are you going to put this as far as Astros seasons you remember? I think it's fine. Time to just acknowledge that Carlos is a little bit weird and just steer into it. Let's just, let's stop trying to pretend that he doesn't get massages from people that will break his ribs. Let's just stop pretending that he's not laying on the floor of airplanes to keep his back straight. Um, He's, he's a little bit different guy and that's cool. And I hope he's here for a while because he's shown this year. I think he's one of the great stories of this year because he has um, earned the leadership role he has now, rather than have it given to him as the face of the franchise. And honestly, Altuve has been that guy, but you don't pick a guy 1-1, bring him up, make him your starting shortstop without that intent. The Astros have a history of doing that with to the wrong guy. Hunter Pence is the one who usually comes to mind when I have this conversation. Uh, great player, but not a face of the franchise kind of guy. Oh, yeah, he was, he was the next Biggio, remember? Yeah, but it, and it's not. And it's unfair to him. It's unfair. To, and I think it was unfair to Correa for a little bit. But I think he has matured a lot. Uh, just in the last year um, to the point that he is a leader on the team. 
as far as reflecting on the season, I think it was a positive experience overall. Um, I think the regular season was trepidatious and for only being two months, I mean, it felt really long. And that, I think that's true when you're losing games and only went, it, for a two week stretch, I think we won one, lost one, won one, lost one the entire way. And that just yeah. gets old. Um, especially when you're used to seeing them win a lot of games in a row. But I think uh, anytime you reach the ALCS, um, anytime you have the success they have, they had a winning record in the playoffs. Um, they were legitimately one hit away. Um, and, you know, I don't want to pick on anybody, but, you know, you mentioned Altuve and people said, well, that error cost them the series. Well, those errors cost them uh, positioning in that game. But Lance Breck, or excuse me, um, Alex Bregman, who I think is an incredible player, uh, Yuli Guriel, who I've been ready to trade for a couple of years, but that's a whole different story. Yeah. Both left uh, entire villages on the base paths in um, several games in the ALCS. And you could easily say that anybody picking up a hit um, in game seven at the right time, because there were base runners aplenty, um, would have changed the complexion of that series. So it's a team game. Um, and I think that's the thing I bring away from the season is that the Astros, as constructed currently, are really a team. Um, and, and, you know, we like to say family and stuff like that. I don't. I think that kind of stuff is overblown. But these guys play together and they play together really well. And because of that, as a fan, I'm proud of them. Um, they, they, they lost together and they certainly won together. And when it mattered, um, they were able to pull it together and, and be a successful franchise and remind us all of – 17, 18, 19, and 15. And, yeah, you know, it's been a pretty good run uh, for the last five years. And honestly, with the pitching uh, being as young as it is, we all of a sudden, um, if they can figure out what kind of insurance Verlander has on his contract, uh, you've got some more uh, roster flexibility and payroll flexibility than you may have had going into um, this offseason now. Uh, Don't want to lose Justin Verlander, but if it means you can go back and re-sign a George Springer, and maybe bring Bracken Brantley or bring somebody the equivalent of um, because now you have a little bit more money to spend. That's not a bad thing. Yeah, it's interesting because what we could really see actually is the window staying open, but a different kind of window. Mm-hmm. Window where it is homegrown pitching pieced together with purchased bats versus homegrown bats with largely purchased. Yeah. Well, and I think that's one of the things that uh, this season reminded me of, and I'm excited about James Click and what he's going to bring to the franchise. Even losing to the Rays, watching how they're constructed. No, I don't want to root for a team that changes pitchers every inning or every three batters. Yeah. Um, right. that, that's mind-numbing, and we've talked about that. But uh, the Astros are on the forefront, have been on the forefront of the analytical revolution of baseball. And you can like that. You could not like it. But the fact is they are set to compete, maybe in a different constructed way, um, for a long while. And I don't think they're going to all of a sudden become um, bad at that part of the game. Uh, So we continue to develop pitchers. We bring them to the major leagues. Perhaps we do better with our homegrown pitchers, um, as you mentioned, than we have in the past. Uh, Who knows? Charlie Morton might be a free agent. this offseason that the Rays don't pick up his option because they have money issues just like everybody else in baseball does. Yeah. Um, So, you know, you could reasonably expect us to make a playoff run again next year, Um, especially in the framework of 162 game season and not the 60 game exhibition thing we just got through. 
All right, two quick questions in before we go. Um, and we're going to talk a lot about the future as the season rounds up or rounds down. But, you know, if you had to sit here right now and you could extend, you, you could re-sign Springer or extend Correa, what's the choice? Uh, I think we've had this conversation before and we've had it offline. Um, if you had asked me this in February, I would have said Springer without a doubt. Um if you're asking me this now, and I guess you are, Mark, you just did. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm going to go Correa, and it's not because I respect George Springer any less, but because I think a mature Correa who can stay healthy um, is somebody at a defensive position at a, as a plus-plus hitter who can hit in the clutch, who can be a team leader, who is can be that face of the franchise guy, is more valuable than the 31-year-old right fielder. Now, yeah. having said that, I want both of them back. Um, that that it, love to have Brantley. I don't think he's coming back. Um, I think there's some other pieces, but if I've got to replace a replace an all star, I'd rather replace the right fielder because I think there's more of them around than have to replace an all star shortstop. Yeah, and um, I think the big moment for me with Correa was the mound interaction with Valdez. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the, and that really was a thing where. Um, the Astros are going to need that. They're going to need a little bit of that kind of that, you know, I was asked on another show if I thought that uh, Correa was the face of the Astros. And I said, no, but he might be the balls of the Astros. And I think that's. Well, it was really reminiscent of just a couple of years ago, Altuve laying into Lance McCullers because he had a full on hissy fit on the mound after yeah. somebody committed an error. I think it was in 2018. Uh, and basically he waited until he was on the dugout, but basically, um, laid into him pretty good and said, you're a professional, be a professional, stop acting like a giant baby. And I'm not using the same language that Jose Altuve used because I'm sure it is more colorful than your show wants. Yeah. But you need that. Um, whether it's a guy like Jeff Bagwell, who's going to pull you aside after the game and talk quietly, but sternly to you, or if it's a guy like Jose Altuve or Carlos Correa, who's going to get in your face when you need to have your face gotten into, um, you've got to have that kind of leadership. You've got to have somebody steering the ship over a a 162 game season. Um, so, you know, I, I think with Correa, um, if he wants to be here, that's a no brainer at this point. Lance McCullers will be a conversation next week. Um, final then. Okay. Dodgers or, or Rays, who you got? Um, I, I'm going to take the Rays. Um, I think the only thing that has gotten better for the Dodgers, um, A, the Dodgers have history to fight. So have not won a World Series since 1988. Um, you would say maybe the odds just eventually they're going to luck into one. I think the Rays are the wrong team to try to luck into one. If the Dodgers have an advantage, it's that they hit much better than I think anybody that the uh, Rays have faced so far in the playoffs, including the Yankees, including the Astros. But I think the Dodgers aren't prepared for the level of pitching that the Rays are about to bring, um, especially if Snell and Morton um, and that group are on their game. And is Mookie last Betts, I know I said last question, but is Mookie Betts the most casually really good at baseball, baseball player you've ever seen? I mean, I've never be, seen the matter of fact home run steals like he does. Like, It would be really interesting to see if he ever tried. Because it's <laughs> right? like he just, ah, you need me to be on third? Fine, I'm on third. Show me the merch. The best from the pro shop.
And we're back here on Show Me the Merch. And we've got a couple of caps that we got on sale from the Copa de la Diversión. And before we dive into which caps we got, I want to talk about the Copa a little bit. The Copa is, I think, one of the best examples of minor league baseball doing what it does and doing it best. It's inclusive. It allows for a fun brand experiment. It allows for a, a a deeper cultural connection, even with people that aren't in the Latinx community. And I hope it's the one of the things that survives this transition. There are a lot of people that are uncertain with what's going to happen as Major League Baseball takes a more active control of minor league baseball. What I hope and what I'm desperate that that remains the same is that they realize that a lot of these initiatives and a lot of these um these things that minor league baseball does to attract fans is exactly why you want to control it. It's exactly why you want a bigger part of it. And hopefully they don't get out of their own way. Hopefully they will recognize that things like the Copa are exactly what people want and what people kind of need right now. Now we did get a couple of um, caps. First, we got the Lake Elsinore storm and I dig that they took their, their traditional logo, one of the best eyes logos in minor league baseball and added that sort of um, the Mexican flag color flair to it. It's a great look and a great cap. Now we also got the Lehigh Valley iron pigs, the Tocino, Tocino, I'm pronouncing it incorrectly and I do apologize, but it's bacon. And I definitely appreciate the fact that you've got the, the word mark is made up what looks to be bacon. As we've learned on this show, you can never go wrong with bacon. Uh, but I do encourage you to guys to check out your favorite, your closest affiliated minor league team. Some of them are going through a really tough time because of not having a season. As we've talked about on the show before, your regular season clubs will have gone 20 months between the end of their season in September of 2019 until when the season hopefully starts in April of 2021. So if you can see your way clear, hop on, get a cap. I mean, they're super original looking. They're super creative. They're a great conversation piece. Who wouldn't want to walk up to someone with this hat on and say, hey, is that bacon on your head? Holler and a swallow, a chug of ballpark brew. Presented by The Hitter Sports. And we are excited to welcome you back to the Holler and a Swaller segment presented by The Hitter Sports. And we want to congratulate uh, The Hitter Sports on reaching 1,500 followers on Twitter. We hope you're all following him. He is a lot of fun uh, and is known to have, and, and I think probably true, the best beard in Yankee fan Twitter wherever. Uh, so, yeah, definitely congratulations to him on his followers. We hope they keep growing. So we are back here on the Holler and the Swallow segment, and we are going to be having another beer from the Texas Beer Company. And this is their their Octaylor Fest is what they call it. They're from Taylor, Texas. So uh, Octaylor Fest, it's, it's clever. It's fun. It's what I look for in a beer. Um, one of the things that's cool about this beer is they advertise the fact that they are brewed with solar and people power. So again, kind of cool to be a little bit more um, conscious, I guess you would say, of the environment. Uh, but we love Taylor, Texas. It's not far from Austin. We actually shot a couple of films out there over the life of our film company. So Happy to celebrate them and to have their Fest beer, which is their Oktoberfest. I almost had one of those old men yells at cloud moments when I went into Specs to pick up some beer 
for our film festival, the Austin Revolution Film Festival, we had a big um, Halloween socially distanced brunch since we can't really be together. And we did some pumpkin carving and stuff like that, but a bunch of, bought a bunch of beer. And I kind of got a little, again, old man yells in cloud because here it is, you know, October 20th. Some of the Oktoberfest beers were gone and there were already Christmas seasonals in. And look, I love a good Christmas seasonal. We will definitely dive into a lot of them over our remaining four episodes going forward. But, you know, but we are going to drink this Oktoberfest from the Texas Beer Company out of Taylor, Texas. And we are going to toast Emily and Marla and Ashland from Mansplained Baseball Elsewhere. They are one of the best baseball podcasts, period. All three of them put in so much energy and love, and it's fun. They do such a great job representing Braves Nation. I have a Braves hat on, y'all, and I'm excited to root for the Braves next year. They made me take a look at a team that I still, honestly, like I joke, but not really joke. Um, if, if we buy the premise that baseball fandom is based on pain, the Braves were a root of a lot of my pain. I said a Jack Nicholson from Batman. I know the name of my pain and it is the Batman, but it really, it's Greg Maddox. So, um, but it was fun to watch those guys, particularly through their eyes. Um, and I will definitely be rooting for the Braves going forward. I think they were the better team, honestly. And I think they were a lot of fun to watch. I think they were the top to bottom, the best put together baseball team in the playoffs this year. And it was cool to, again, get to know those players, get to know that culture through not just them, but so many others that that were really fun to interact with. So rocking the Braves cap, I will rock it periodically through next year. And so we toast mansplained baseball elsewhere. ASMR. I would like to say, too, I'm really glad that beer in a can is making a comeback. There's something so, um, I don't know, Captain Quint from Jaws about it. I can't do the thing, so. But anyway, to Mansplain Baseball elsewhere, to M and to Ashland and to Marla, holler and a swaller. Raiders of the Lost Diamond, a look into baseball's past. All right, we are back. It is Halloween time. Um, I am drinking my House of Torment uh, pumpkin ale. Nice. That we introduced on the show earlier. Uh, pumpkin. Yeah, no, it's 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 pretty good. It's pretty smooth. Um, I'm also you like it bouncing between an Oktoberfest. We got <laughs> we got beaten seven, man. We're we're working through it. Um, yeah. We're Nelson for our uh, our next iteration of Raiders of the Lost Diamond, and I hear we have something Halloween themed. Yeah, so we're we're in October now. The leaves are changing and temperatures are dropping, and it's actually snowing outside here in Minnesota right now. Uh, just like it is flurries. 89 degrees. Yeah, bro. <laughs> it's 89. I, I think it's like 35 here. <laughs> oh my God. So before you, before we oh, dive into this, like as, as a Minnesotan <laughs> and it's snowing in mid October, yeah. like you're kind of mad, right? You're um, like, what? It's like me when I get a hundred in March, you're like, fuck. Uh, I mean, it's not that bad yet. Cause it's not going to stick around, but, uh, 
get to about mid-November and then it might, and that's a bit more depressing. Okay, good. Well, tell me a little bit about the Casper <laughs> Ghosts. All right. So sticking with the, the theme of October and our spookiest holiday, Halloween, we're going to talk about the Casper Ghosts today. So the story of the Casper Ghosts started in 2001 when the Butte Copper Kings moved from Montana to Wyoming and became the Casper Rockies. The now Rockies became the advanced rookie level affiliate of, you guessed it, the Colorado Rockies, uh, and continued to play in the Pioneer League as the Copper Kings had previously. The Casper Rockies became the first professional baseball team to play in Wyoming since the Cheyenne Indians played one season in 1941. The team would play under their big league affiliates name until 2008 and featured future Rockies stars such as Ubaldo Jimenez in 2001, Dexter Fowler in 2005, and Jolice Chassin in 2007. Oh, wow. Unfortunately, the Rockies didn't see much on-field success as a team. They only reached 500 one time in 2005. In 2008, the team went in a bold new branding direction, taking on the name Casper Ghosts. Get it? Only instead of having a a friendly ghost mascot, they had a phantasmal, growling, skeleton-faced baseball. And not only that, that logo glowed in the dark on their baseball caps. <laughs> These glow-in-the-dark glow caps were the first in professional sports history and grabbed the attention of national sports media and provided just the sort of boost minor league teams look for when they rebrand. Under the new name, the Ghosts continued to find on-field success, elusive as a team, unfortunately, but would see several more rising stars haunt their diamond. In 2009, Nolan Arenado would play 54 games most of the season with Casper and rack up a 300 batting average. The next year, Todd Helton would suit up for just three games with the Ghosts, collecting five hits and five RBIs and 13 plate appearances. That was probably enough. You can move him up, right? <laughs> yeah. Trevor Story patrolled the infield for Casper in 2011 and collected a slash line of 268, 357, 436 with six home runs. Unfortunately for baseball fans in Casper, the ghost performance at the box office matched their declining performance on the field. After the 2011 season, the team moved to Grand Junction, Colorado, citing the fact that Grand Junction and surrounding Mesa County had approximately twice the population that Casper did. Oh, right. The team has played on as the Casper Junction Rockies, boringly, (laughs) (laughs) through the 2019 season, although their current future is in doubt, as is the rest of the Pioneer Leagues. Yeah, I wonder if the Pioneer League is going to end up going – collegiate summer league like what they did with the Appy league actually those teams seem excited um that's awesome i love that we were able to do that i think next halloween we should do haunted ballparks yeah there's gotta that'll be take some. a little bit that'll take a little bit more digging yeah well we have time you have exactly one year yeah uh, <laughs> i'll get working on it, on it. <laughs> um you know before we bail on this uh andrew world series um thoughts on the matchup and do you and thoughts on who you think is going to win Oh, I mean, I just don't really care, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> it's interesting. We I don't know any Tampa fans, really. And yeah. the Dodgers, I think, they're, they're obnoxious. Yeah. So 
From that regard, and that the Rays have never won a World Series yet, I guess I would slightly root for them. Um, but, I mean, the Dodgers are obnoxious, and they're the rich team of the National League, and so I don't really care for them that much. And then uh, I just don't know that much about the Rays. I, I hope Randy Arena hits a bunch of home runs, because that's a great story. I'm about to stroke out. When I hear that name, I'm just like, <laughs> sorry. sorry about that. You know, you can't walk him. It's legal. Yeah. <laughs> but like, but like, I mean, like, he, he's on the verge of setting a couple of postseason records for, for rookies and just anybody in general. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, the guy is just out of nowhere. Amazing. Um, so yeah, I, he, I, it's like I watching Jordan just, Alvarez from last year. Like it really yeah. is like hit ball, ball, go far. And right. So I'm I'm hoping for that. Beyond that, I I won't be terribly excited or disappointed if either team wins. Um, you think you'll it's been watch? A long time for the Dodgers, am I going to watch? Um, it depends on if I have time. <laughs> to be honest, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna you know it's not gonna be appointment TV for me, but I'll I'll probably try to watch All it. Right. Well, we're going to be back in a couple of weeks, man. We only have four total episodes of Let's Get Two left, but we've got some yeah. fun stuff planned. Thanks for jumping on, Andrew. For for telling us about those Casper ghosts. Thanks for having me, Jim. Who's on first? The Let's Get To Local 9. Brought to you by Zoomer Sport. Okay, so we are excited to welcome the Let's Get To. She is the general manager of what I'm referring to as the Greenville Fighting Cats, Cat Foster. Cat, how's it going? It's going great. How are you? I'm good. I'm really excited to have you here. Let's just jump in. How did you get to the point where you decided, I like baseball, and now I want to work in baseball? So, uh, it was an interesting path. I actually, um, I went to Bluefield College um, and way many moons ago, and I went in for a summer job to be, um, they were starting up a new program for waitresses for their box seats. And I went in to interview for that just because I wanted to have a summer job. And by the time I left, I was offered an internship. I had never even thought about it. My major was sports management, but I hadn't honestly put much thought into what I wanted to do, um, like a lot of college kids. And so um, after that, my first year, um, fell in love with it. And I was with Bluefield. Um, the whole time I was there, they were the Orioles. Um, they okay. were the longest running affiliation. And then my last year was the Orioles last year before they became the Blue Jays. Moved back to Florida, got away from baseball for a little bit. Um, got back into it. I uh, worked down at Roger Dean Stadium uh, down in uh, Jupiter and was Go Hammerheads. <laughs> yes, I, I work. We, uh, it was interesting. I mean, that's a grind down there. It really kind of, you know, you've got 50 some odd days straight through spring training because of the dual team. So um, I was there for a couple of years and then um, took a break and then ventured out and then decided, you know what, I really do love sports. And while I was down there with the Palm Beach Cardinals, I had the pleasure of meeting the GM of the Johnson City team, Zach, and um, he posted an opening and everything kind of fell into place for me to, to come up here. So uh, everything worked out. And then um at the beginning of this year, um, our company, Boyd Sports, owns um, the Tennessee Smokies, Greenville Baseball, Johnson City, sure. and Elizabeth. And so um, the former GM here, uh, she left, accepted a, another position. And so, so just got to stay with the same company. And I love this. Co they're great. And so got to stay with it and an easy transition right over into Greenville. And here we are. 
So I have a little history with the Greenville team. Um, I played a film festival at the university seven, eight years ago. And the festival wasn't great. No fault of the university, whatever. <laughs> but I'm kind of just figuring out what to do. And I discovered the Greenville Astros. And you might notice behind me, <laughs> it was like, you know what? So I got to go see a Greenville Astros game. So I actually have been to an Appy League game. Um, you know, there's been a lot of discussion about contraction and what that's going to mean. And, and I'll be honest, part of me, when MLB said they had promised that they were going to keep baseball in the towns that had baseball, it sort of felt like, yeah, you know, we'll figure it out when we're all done. And then, then I figured they would forget to figure it out. It seems like they are going to keep their word. Mm-hmm. What can the people of Greenville be excited about going from being, you know, an affiliated club to now being collegiate Woodbat? So the affiliation, the only thing that changes there is being directly affiliated with a very, with a specific team. Um, and I know that changes because you do have fans of um, very specific teams. Um, I'm actually, not to make it awkward, I'm a huge Rays fan because I was born and raised in Tampa. Man, that's so. a good baseball team. Oh, <laughs> no, I can't even be, I can't, Kat, I can't even be mad at it. I picked them to win when we went into this thing. Like, yeah. They, they, sure, they shock everyone, um, yeah. especially their fans. But uh, but yeah, it's, you know, and, and that's the change is that we're actually directly affiliated with Major League Baseball itself. So while it's not a specific team, which I know is, is part of the change, um, it's just you know, I, I had a season ticket holder come in and and he and I were talking and he's like, I'm just a baseball fan. And that's the key is it's like, you know what, it's no matter what city you're in, you know, like we have people that come from from everywhere and say, oh, you know, I'm a, you know, a Padres fan or I'm a Yankees fan. And and it's just fans of baseball and it's a community. And, and that's really what we're going for is, you know, it is collegiate wood bat and it's a change for everybody. It's a change for me. It's a change for every GM, no matter and everybody in in every position but the thing that's going to remain the same is it's going to be great baseball and you know the first year is always that tricky year where you're you're finding your groove and but what we're trying to do is making sure that it's still fun to come out to the games and you know you get to watch the same players you get to see them now literally kind of from the start of their career where they're here and they're getting taught the best practices and major league baseball has their eye on them and they're coming up all the way through the system. And it's going to be the same players for the entirety of, you know, the season. So it's not like they're just going to up and change out of nowhere. Um, in which will allow the fans to, you know, kind of develop a, a friendship with them. And then it'll still be great baseball. It'll still be fun. So even though it's not, if you're a Reds fan, I completely understand. They were amazing partners for us, but it really boils down to if you're a baseball fan and we're all fans of baseball and that's what we're trying to see. And we have no doubt, you know, the, between the partnership with Major League Baseball and MLB Network, everything's going to mesh and, and we're really excited. And quite frankly, this was the only way that we were offered to keep baseball in the region. And we all value the communities that we're a part of. And at the end of the day, we feel like we also did it for them. And we're just going to look, you know, look forward to having a great time, which is what we feel baseball is all about. How important then, you said it's the only way to keep baseball in the community. How important is the Greenville fighting cats to, mm-hmm. uh, to the community? It, I mean, it, it, how much does it matter? 
it's it matters a lot to these communities um and and that's what you know obviously when we first heard about the contraction it was heartbreaking because you know our first thought was well there were a lot um but you know one of your first thoughts is the closest team to us is atlanta it's like that's not just uh i'm gonna run over there and catch a game and back that's a you know expensive venture to be honest between you know, overnight trip and things like that. So when you think about it, you know, your first thought is kind of, okay, my career, <laughs> to be right. totally honest, that was my first thought. Um, and then the next thought was, do what? Especially in 2020, everybody, I mean, everybody, yeah. Exactly. And so it's like, okay. And then all of a sudden you realize like secondarily, and it becomes kind of the priority is, what about these communities? What about what it does for them? What about their sense of, you know, ownership over everything going on? So that kind of became, you know, that was the first thought, you know, essentially once the other worries went away was how can we make these communities still feel like there's something for them to, to hold on to and to be a part of. And that's kind of, you know, that's really what it boils down to. We're in smaller communities in the country and the communities feel a great sense of ownership and pride that goes along with these teams. And for us, that was really important to make sure that these communities don't feel like they're not important enough to have a team that they do matter and they matter to us. And that's what we conveyed when we were, you know, meeting with major league baseball and and they came to us. So that was nice to see was you could tell that they cared because they started the conversation. And then, you know, once we started talking to them, they were so proud of the app, Appy league. They looked around and they said, you guys were the ideal setup, you know, like, you're all right there. Your communities love you and this and that. So they, they really do get it too. And so it's really nice to have their support and their backing and for them to really recognize what we see and what the community sees and that it's very important that baseball is in this area. The thing that has me the most excited um, for you guys is a rebrand. Mm-hmm. Now you can actually create your identity. What is your process going to be for that? How does that all going to start? So we are actually um, in that process right now. And the first thing that we're trying to do is get a new name. And that process has been started. It started a while ago. And the only thing I'll say about that, it's not easy. Um, you got to you know, <laughs> yeah. really be unique. You've got to come up with something fun, something creative. And the main thing that we were all going for is a sense of what can this community relate to and what is something that is going to make it so that it's part of the history, something that spurs people to say, oh, I didn't know that. And, you know, kind of bring a little bit of even more sense of ownership. You know, when you're affiliated with a specific team, you know, you don't always have those fans, but then when it's something that's kind of starting from the ground up and that the the community can really get behind and say, you know, Oh, that's because this was here. This was here. It's it's been a a hmm, not tedious process, but it's right. been a very roller coaster process of yeah, oh, oh okay. <laughs> and um, but when all is said and done, it's going to be fun. It's you know we're going to get to do new logos and colors and and just really have a great time with it. So that's um, 
hopefully we'll be announcing those sooner rather than later. Um, we do have a timeline for that that we're going for. Um, and it's it's definitely, you know, something that we're, we're excited to announce when we get to that point. Well, I tell you what, from my perspective, I would not buy a Greenville red shirt, but I would buy a Greenville fighting cat shirt. He's Cat <laughs> Foster, the general manager of the Greenville. We'll find out soon. Thanks so much for being on Let's Get To. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. And now on to close it out, the right-hander from Houston, Texas, James Christopher. And so James Christopher here coming to you from my place of work, actually, this morning. It is Jaws week. It is my favorite week to teach film. And I'm very excited because I get to watch Jaws and it's a little delayed because of how the COVID schedule worked out. So before we jump to the actual end, breaking news, the Astros did lose game seven and we are all bummed about it, especially Ghostface and Michael, who you've seen have now had to take off their orange and blue for the year. And Lord Vader is sad because his bandana has to come off and, you know, he's been wearing it since um, summer of 17, I think, and it's starting to show some age. It's falling apart. It's probably not going to make it to next season. So I'm asking for baseball Twitter Anybody that's good at making that kind of stuff that would be willing to, you know, I'll buy the material and send it and happily pay you for your time and energy to make a new bandana for him. Um, kind of a new era anyway. So uh, it would be really cool if anybody could help us out in that endeavor because he actually likes wearing the, the like I hold it up and he jumps into it. So he's a little bummed when I took it off of him. But as you can see, it's falling apart. Um, and before we jump into the end and, and we talk a little bit about Halloween, I want to talk about Halloween first and give you th basically, um, if you're not a horror person, three of my go-to horror movie films for Halloween, maybe not all that original, but definitely check them out. Uh, huge fan of Trick or Treat, which is a little underrated, uh, huge fan of the original John Carpenter Halloween, honestly a fan of all of those films and you cannot go wrong with The Exorcist. And now to close out the show, here's James Christopher. So that does wrap up our show. I want to thank everybody for joining us, everybody for hopping on. Super excited to talk to Kat about what's going to be happening in the Appy League in Greenville. Now, you might have noticed that I have changed hats. I am wearing the Baseballism hat, the Bat Boys cap from Baseballism, I should say. It was a gift by uh, from contributor Andy Tom Chesson. Thank you so much. And I am essentially recognizing that the Astros season is over, that essentially my rooting interest in baseball is over, and it is now time to dive full on into Halloween, which is absolutely one of my favorite uh, holidays of all of all time. I celebrate it. We watch the heck out of some horror movies. I've made a few myself. It's something that's always near and dear to my heart. And so we are excited to kind of um, get ready for the offseason. Hopefully it's less tumultuous than last year for Astros fans. But I do want to toast Astros fans. And I'm going to do it with a fourth tap beer. It's their pumpkin ale dedicated to the House of Torment Haunted House. Uh, it's a great can design. They've actually got the artist on the can. Uh, Robert Blank will put his website down here. But it's a great design of the can. So before I toast... 
So it's weird because today I'm recording this episode on the one, the one, <laughs> the first anniversary of Jose Altuve walking off the Yankees at the end of the 2019 ALCS. And it's appropriate that I record today um, to release tomorrow because that really was the last good day for Astros fans. Um, in fact, it would kind of go downhill from the minute that ball hit off the, the community leader sign. So the Taubman thing would happen. It's what we would wake up to the next morning. And really, it's been a hell of a year since then. Um, but I want to toast. First of all, I want to toast um, all of the Astros fans that we've interacted with online, um, both people that I grew up with, people that I'm friends with, to people that are just fans, you know, people like, and I hate trying to do this because I always forget people that matter, but like Tony Adams has been really great to get to know him over this past year. It's not been a great year for Astros fans. Um, I joked in the beginning of the segment with Andy, the Go Go Astros segment, that the long national nightmare is over. And and I'll be honest, um, it's been hell. And I think it, it's been hell because... I am a um, obviously an Astros fan who does a baseball show, so that allows me a certain degree of access. And there's certain things I can't do to avoid the nasty, right? Like I can't, in good conscience, turn off my DMs on Twitter because you don't know who you're going to hear from. We've had people on the show that have been great and amazing guests who DM'd me, and if I didn't have that open, never would have had them. So I've got to kind of be open to that. But I'm also someone who like, I go out of my way to not be mean. So the concept of being mean to someone I've never met is something that I just don't understand, can't relate to it. And, you know, having like knowing just like not even like um, theoretically, like I know how bad the world is from having been to bad parts of the world in one of my previous uh, careers. It seems like such a waste of time to use social media, this ability to connect, to do anything but connect. So it's been a crappy year. Every time something goes wrong with the Astros from a off-the-field perspective, I've got to deal with non-Astros fans, their reaction. And then anytime the Astros don't play well, I've got to deal with Astros fans who don't really know anything about baseball and their reaction. So yeah, it's been a real house of torment. It's not just a clever name, but there've been a lot of great people. Like I said, Tony Adams, um, George Martin in the UK, Stevie in the UK, Michael Schwab, um, you know, and now we're getting to where I just know Twitter handles like M Hatter. The, uh, a lot of those guys have been just like super cool guys to interact with that have made this um, season a little bit better, but um, I'm really proud of the team. I'm proud of how they fought. I'm proud of Correa. I am proud of of how they stayed together as a team because we all know with 2020 and the season being weird and for the first couple of weeks, not really knowing if the season would get finished, it would have been super easy to tap out and just be like, well, we're under 500. What's the point? They didn't do that. They fought. They showed integrity in their performance. They showed that they are going to stay together. And I think all of that matters and and is something that we should all be able to appreciate, regardless of the situation they found themselves in. So I'm going to toast the Astros. I'm going to toast those members of Astros Twitter. I'm going to toast all the Astros journalists who I think 
work really, really hard. And, and like Robert Ford and Steve Sparks do a great job bringing us the games. Uh, I'm going to toast the free agents that are leaving. It's been great to see Josh Reddick kind of really change the fan base. He really has. Like for as much as the woo thing is obnoxious, he's really changed the fan base in a way that I'm not sure people would have expected. Um, you know, and I hope that Michael Brantley comes back and I hope that, um, I hope that people appreciate just what it was like to have that personality in a minute, in a middle, in a, in the middle of those personalities. You know, uh, with Correa being Correa and Bregman being Bregman and Springer being Springer, having a steady hand in the middle of that lineup was real, was a real big deal. And then I want to toast George Springer. Um, George Springer, I think it's rare for someone who's been a fan of a team for 40 years and to be 44 going on 45, been a fan of a team for 40 years. It's probably rare for a, for a team to come up, have a player come out of that team that emerges as one of his all time favorite players, because it's a tough road to road to hoe because it's always going to be ones you saw as a kid. Springer is um, the way the game, he plays the, the game the way it should be played. He is, uh, uh, has has a lot of integrity in the way he plays the game. He plays it hard. He plays it for his team. He helps the community. And I know I, I, I'm I'm already just ready for the onslaught onslaught of what's going to happen if he does choose to sign somewhere else. I hope Springer resigns with the Astros. I want to. I want my grandson to watch him play in an Astros uniform so badly. But I understand that there were conditions that happened before he came up. That might make him want to move on. He might want to be closer to family. He might get offered a lot more money. These are all things that would have affected us when it comes to job choice. And so I don't know how we can in good conscience be upset with him if he makes similar decisions. And so I toast him. I wish uh, wish him well if he doesn't come back. If he does come back, I'll drink six of these. But if he doesn't come back, I'm always going to wish him well. I'm always going to root for him. I will categorically be at his first game back at Minute Maid Park. And I will stand there blubbering like a child where they play his highlight video, knowing what he has meant to this city. And again, for him to crack my top five Astros of all time, when I first saw him play when I was in my late 30s, that's pretty That's pretty awesome. And I think it speaks to the kind of play area. So George Springer, I give a big toast to you. But like I said, that does wrap up our episode. We've got four episodes to go. We will be off next week with the way the World Series is going. And then we've got pretty big Halloween plans. It's not going to be, I'm not really going to be able to get an episode together that I think people are going to listen to because we won't be talking about the World Series. So we'll be back after the World Series. Um, And like I said, four episodes to go. So until next time, you guys stay safe, stay sane. And let's get to.